Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host, Raul and Shu. This is a little off cuff here tonight. We're going to do something a little bit different. Um, started thinking after the big football win over Clemson about upsets and comebacks. And, you know, Duke basketball is in a different kind of state of mind right now where it's pretty difficult at this point for us to get an upset like that. Obviously, there's one or two on this list that I think qualify, but really we're looking at some comebacks here. So just, you know, shouts to Duke football, huge win, Coach Elko. You know, if you didn't get a chance already, we did a podcast with Adam Rowe and Bud Elliott kind of previewing the schedule for the for the football team, if uh, if you follow that. So check that out. But this will be a little bit more of a fun one. So we'll kind of go through, uh, I guess, you know, in order. Why not? Kind of a stroll down history lane here. Um, so I made the list. I sent it to you guys. So I'll introduce the first one here. And this, you know, y'all can jump in and correct me, but. This might be the only one that really qualifies as an upset, probably, right? I think even at the time, it was probably considered like one of the biggest upsets. Um, if that doesn't kind of alert you here, we're talking Duke UNLV 1991. So I'll set the stage and y'all jump in and we'll talk about it a little bit. 1990 UNLV steamrolls Duke by 30 uh, in the national championship game. Hate to kind of hold that record there. Comes back a year later, 91. We're meeting in the final four, which, you know, in the you get to the final four, how big of an upset is that? Well, a little bit of context, though. I mean, you know, he comes in undefeated. They've been beaten teams by about 30. I think for the most part, you know, it was probably considered that the same thing was going to happen. 
not to age us too much here, but like I was literally about two years old at that point. So Raul Shu, do y'all remember any kind of hype? Were y'all like aware of Duke basketball kind of like at that level at that time? Or what is your kind of um, memory of this game, if at all? I guess I'll go first. Um, so I probably would have been 10 going on 11. So I was definitely conscious of Duke basketball and already watching. Um, that was in April, and I think it was over like spring break or something because my family was on a road trip, and I got into the room just in time to see UNLV miss that final shot. The weird thing is I don't remember thinking, I guess I just wasn't at the age where I was aware of point spreads and stuff like that, but I don't remember thinking it was this impossible accomplishment. Of course, I knew what had happened the year before, but you know, since then, of course, I've gone back and watched the game. And, you know, that's all the announcers are talking about. And you just like, what jumps out to you is how huge UNLV is. Just like mm -hmm. in every single position, they look like NBA players. Yeah. yeah. Watching a lot of old games are like that, right? Like you're literally seeing grown men out there, you know, and I think maybe the athleticism or whatever, but just like, you're just seeing dudes out there. Um, shoot, were you kind of like in the loop at that point or kind of what was your kind of, where were you at with things? Yeah. I mean, I was seven or eight at the time. So, you know, it wasn't like I knew where everybody that played at Duke was from and, you know, what, what we have now, but, uh, just aware of, of basketball in general. At that point, I was starting to play basketball. Uh, the biggest thing I remember is that year, Carolina was also in the final four, um, so it was a big thing, like us talking about it at school, like as kids, um, thinking about what that matchup would have been like. But first, obviously, Duke had to get by UNLV, which was kind of like a, I don't know, like a trendy thing, like the Fab Five before before those guys, right? Like uh, you'd see kids over here wearing running Rebel shirts and and whatnot. It was just a, you know, a um, a cool popular thing. Sure. So. Um, yeah, just and and remember, you know, had watched the year before with my buddy Jason, who was a uh, shout out to Jason Honeycutt, uh, the the Duke fans that kind of brought me into the fold. Um, his dad was my basketball coach and one of the biggest Duke fans I've ever known. Um, and nice. so we watched us get crushed the year before and then the uh, inevitable happens the next year. It's hard to have context too now, right? Like, I mean, you you take away five national championships, you got to go back to a program that's just like still on the door knocking, you know? And I think um, I went and pulled some like really old, well, I tried to pull some like old, just like headlines and articles, like of what was going on. And, you know, it's all like, can Coach K, you know, <laughs> finally get to the promised land, right? Or can he deliver um, you know, is, is, can Duke finally get this done? And it's just really weird seeing that right now, knowing what you do 30 some years later. Yeah. There was this narrative that like coach K couldn't win at all. Right. Couldn't win the big one. Yeah. That he was the best coach in college basketball. People had already kind of agreed on that, you know, just with the success they'd had over the last like four or five years. But there was this kind of black mark on his resume. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, what a cool moment to get that done. And, um, I, I think, and we won't give it away too much because there's some other ones on this list that involve big time shots, but I'm pretty sure Coach K always references the Hurley made three as arguably the biggest shot in Duke history. Y'all agree with that? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, what Duke was down five at the time that cut it to two. Mm -hmm. The game was slipping away from them after they'd been kind of playing them even all game. So that was the point where Duke just could have folded. Yeah. 
yeah it's it's hard to argue um you, you know I, I lean a little bit towards the the shot that Leitner hit the next year mm-hmm. but i guess yeah. you can make the counter of like well if Hurley doesn't hit this one does Leitner never get a chance yeah. to even do that exactly. you know that, i mean we had I made what five out of six final fours at that point so it's like we probably could have still been there but i get the significance of what that does um but the Leitner one you know that that was dynasty at that point right so it's you know Shouts to shouts to the squad. Um, right, yeah. Part of the significance of the Leitner shot is that it allowed Duke to go back to back. And obviously, right. if you don't yeah. win in '91, that's not happening. Duke's still trying to break through. That's you true. Know? And yeah. who knows? Like uh, maybe the I don't know. You know, it's just one of those butterfly effect things too. Yeah. It's like, is I the guess seating we can... completely different. Do they have as much motivation and drive? Right. I don't know. You know, whatever. But right. we can give Leitner the aesthetic award because his looks the best. Oh, yeah, right, sounds sure. the coolest. The ten for ten, ten for ten, completely perfect game. It's literally. Um, I've almost not to sidetrack us too much, and we'll move on. But it's kind of weird that we haven't seen like a really well-made movie about just like that team or that shot right like that's got like hoosiers glory road insert whatever you want all written all over it it's kind of uh kind of wild we haven't got that but now we got a 30 for 30 at least that's true that's true um we'll we'll jump ahead a few years and just more context i just kind of pulled some of the ones that were jumping out to me i didn't go through and scour everyone so you know listeners y'all might hear something or think of why don't you include this you know hit us up you know maybe we missed something that that we weren't aware of but i'm going to jump forward a few years to really my indoctrination um you know i have pictures in 91 and 92 in a duke onesie my dad and grandpa but really being conscious and like a fan um let's jump to 1998 duke carolina senior night wojo with the big hug right that's the moment that everyone um really recognizes here Carolina was really kind of after us waiting here. Dean Smith took it to us. Like he took it to the shed to us those last couple of years before he got out. Um, this was a pretty big game. I I think this might be the last time we stormed the court. Have to check that, but I'm pretty sure we stormed the court after this game. Um, so Duke's number one, UNC's number three entering the game, which sounds really weird here. Huge night, huge moment, huge comeback. Shu, I'll go to you first on this one. What do you remember most about this game, or do you really have a working memory of it? The Wojo hug obviously sticks out the most for sure um, because I was I was a huge Wojo guy. You know, I'm, I'm again middle school. I'm the I'm the kid slapping the floor um, on defense, even though I couldn't guard a statue. You normally guys just blew right by me as I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, just you know, and like you said, at that time, Carolina had been kind of. At, we had our our stretch of all those Final Fours, you know, that kind of ended in 94. Um, and Carolina had been to another Final Four or two in that span since we've been. So my biggest thing, again, that always goes back to like in the 90s in North Carolina growing up, uh, at least at my middle school, and I'm sure most of them, uh, rural North Carolina, it's 95% Carolina fans. So you know, again, just me and my buddy Jason, the only two Duke fans and all these Carolina fans are, are you know, yapping at us all the time. So to to get that win in front of Coach K's, be Coach K's 500th win um, and, the, and the way they came back was just that's that's what I remember being able to come into school, you know, the next day kind of chest out with your with your sweet Duke starter jacket or whatever you got um, <laughs> rolling yeah. in with. Yeah, for sure. Ro, do you have a pretty strong memory of this? Or you were probably like, I don't know, his teenage Ro checked out at that point or what? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, engaged in other activities maybe. But, yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> no, I mean, I've, I, I watched it and of course I've watched it a lot since then, um, on the grainy YouTube footage and stuff you can find. But, uh, I think the context is like 95 through 97. I, she already kind of hinted at this, but those were the, the dark years, right. Mm -hmm. Of Duke basketball. Um, and Duke was just starting to get back to dominance in 98. And they'd been a really good team that year. In fact, I think they finished in the ACC 15 and one, but yeah. they had been beaten by UNC pretty badly in the first matchup. And uh, Elton Brand had been out for most of the season, or at least most of the ACC schedule. I can't remember exactly when he got injured, but he broke his foot or something, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. Like that? yeah. Yeah, maybe you guys will remember when exactly that happened. But was that was that Carolina game his first game back, or had he come back a game before or something? Do you know? I don't it, remember. I don't it remember. Had to have been close. Yeah. yeah, it had to have been close right there because he had a he had a really good game. Th this yeah. game made me fall in love with Will Avery though. That was like one of my mm -hmm. early guys. Um, you know, a really big big Will fan. Uh, just I got a question though too. Looking at some of the notes that y'all put down, so it's a seventeen point comeback. We're down seventeen in the second half. Is there some kind of foreboding here? Because the script kind of get flipped on us there in the tournament. Like <laughs> that—that's a little weird, I guess. But um, either way, huge win. It was—it was a defensive clinic, really. I mean, we—we we only allowed them to score eleven points over the next eleven minutes. Right, um, right. I remember and, that. And Carowell was just like a a, a two way, you know that what what Josh loves that two way wing hitting shots and just locking people down. Um, mm. and, and then we kind of got, I won't say we got lucky, but, you know, Coda, Coda misses a free throw. He's forced to, to intentionally miss the second one. And, uh, I think it was Brendan Haywood got the rebound, gets fouled, misses his first free throw. So then he has to intentionally miss the second <laughs> one again. And it just kind of got batted around. Uh, and then, you know, the buzzer expires. So we, you know, we were able to hang on, but, um, yeah, I mean, just being down and being able to, to turn on that Duke defense in the last couple of minutes. That's, that's what I remember the most is just like locking them down. It's one of my first memories too, of just like, not that you come to expect it, but you start to like, don't, don't count us out. Right. Like we, we can, we've made some crazy runs, um, you know, and I guess that's a decent segue of maybe arguably one of the craziest runs we've ever made. If we jump forward a couple of years and look at Duke Maryland Oh one. And I think, Pretty much most people listening to this are probably pretty aware. Um, it's the Miracle Minute. It's the Natty team. Um, Maryland was really good, really good. I mean, when I was a, when I was in middle school, Maryland had kind of semi surpassed Carolina in terms of like the team that I hated the most, who was like our threat in the ACC. Um, Duke Maryland was was just some class. I mean, you had Gary Williams on the sidelines. Um, I mean, they go on to win it the next year. So the stage is there. Um, I remember like sitting there as a kid, staying up, talking on the phone with one of my buddies that was an NC State fan when this was happening. <laughs> um, just a just a wild kind of thing here. So uh, before we kind of jump in too much, I'll go to you to this time first. Were you watching this game live? Do you have any kind of like real recollection of it? Yeah, I was. But oddly, the thing I remember the most was my roommate in college was a Maryland fan. He was kind of like secondary Duke fan, but primarily a Maryland fan because he had grown up in that area. Mm. Um, and he was at that game. So he came back to our apartment, like, I guess probably the next day or something, just like still fuming. 
So that's my main memory of that game. But uh, obviously, I, I did watch it at the time, and it was like, I, I remember being very frustrated because Steve Blake always just owned Jason Williams. Like, nobody guarded him as well for whatever reason. And I believe, did Blake foul out near the end of he that did. game? Yeah, okay, yeah. So that's, two minutes left. So yeah. there you go, and then uh, and then Jason Williams goes off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, who had not been playing well at all prior yeah. to that. Blake had a sneaky, like, long wingspan, um, yeah. you know, and was just kind of able to at least stay in front of Jay Will for the most part. And then even if you got around him, you could kind of do, like, a little reach around to, to pop the ball away. And then they all, you also had, you know, Juan Dixon, like, yeah. kind of scouting. Um, they were they were kind of double teaming, not double teaming, but at least would you would have Juan, like, kind of dig, dig down and, right. and help off. So yeah, those those teams. I mean, talk about those were those were good Maryland teams, really good. Probably the best they've ever had. Obviously, they're yeah that, the champion, that two the only championship run. team for them. Yeah, yeah, that two year run they had. I mean, just for added context here, um, you know, Maryland's up twelve with a minute five left. Yeah. Like probability at that point's got to be at least ninety seven, ninety eight percent in Maryland's favor, um, and the wheels just completely come off in that final kind of just just it's almost weird watching it or going back and look because the one thing that i had forgotten about was that it went to overtime like in my head i'm just like oh we just pulled this miraculous comeback off and we just win but it actually goes to overtime and we win but if we look at it and we run it down so a minute five left down 12 you get the following sequence of nate james hitting a three jay will gets a layup and then he gets that little kind of steal right there in front of the bench where he pulls up drains another three at that point is when I think I started to kind of like get up out of my seat a little bit, right? Where I was like, "Ooh, this is kind of spicy now, right?" Like they got to miss some free five. throws. We yeah. got it. Yeah, we got it. Some things have got to happen. Um, Jay Will starts to heat up, and then he comes off that high ball screen and just drills a, a three. I mean, and I think I want to say Shane Battier had a quote at some point where he was talking about that, where he was telling him he was like, "Look, when you pull off, if they sag, you better shoot that ball. Like you better shoot. I'll deal with it if you miss it, but you better shoot the damn ball." Um, and he just he just drains it, and then we get a big, big Nate James uh, tip in there, makes the free throws, gets on the foul, um, and we go to overtime. And I think the lasting thing is who was it? Was it one in the corner that tries to throw up that heave? Betty is right there. He misses it, clangs off, and then we kind of just go and win. Um, just a huge, huge game. And, and the funny thing is, too, is y'all probably heard this in like some of the documentaries or some of the stuff. Um, they were pretty adamant that they were telling each other, like, look, we're not going to celebrate, right? Like Shane was like, I don't want y'all celebrating. Like we came in here, we kind of celebrated a little bit. Like when I watched the thing, I was like, Duhan and Jay Will, they're kind of feeling themselves a little bit. Um, but either way, you know, I think that was just... I don't know if I've seen much like that. There's been a few other college basketball games with some crazy comebacks recently. But in terms of Duke war, I think that's probably got to be up in the top three. It's just a minor spoiler, I guess. Is that where y'all kind of have this somewhere in your top three or four? I would, Yeah, definitely. If not I mean, one. Cold Field House. I mean, you know, that place was uh, it was a jungle to go into, especially around that time. Um, and, and like you guys pointed out, after, you know, Steve Blake had had been really tough on on Jay Will. And he fouls out, and Drew Nichols comes in. He's a freshman, and we just kind of smell blood from that point. Like, you know, we're gonna take it at this kid. That's that's who we ripped it away from. Um, 
to to, to get that steal and and then step into a three pointer. Um, and then Drew Nichols, I believe, missed some free throw like key free throws there down the stretch too before uh before we tied it up the end regulation. Yeah. Um, and I guess you know if. We're going to talk about the other Maryland game this year, so we might as well kind of lump these together a little bit. What's more impressive, or like, what do you think like has to go right more? I guess like to go from down twelve to tying it up in a minute and five, or to be down or to have like a thirty-three point swing across. I think it was twenty-eight or so minutes. Which one do you? I'm curious here. Um, or we'll go to you first. Which one do you think is the hardest to pull off, or you have to have more things go right for you? I think that the. Uh you know, 12 point comeback in a minute, just because you're so crunched for time. Uh, like you said, the other one was stretched out over like three quarters of the game. So mm-hmm. um, it was really just Maryland dominating Duke for the first 12 minutes or whatever it was. And then Duke kind of waking up or whatever. Um, but I will say that that uh, final four game obviously has more, historical importance in context simply because it's the final four Duke goes on to win the national championship yeah third time that year we'd come back against those boys too yeah um shoe yeah I mean just the the way that game was like you guys said they kind of they kind of jumped on us early on and then pretty much at halftime caves like all right you know no more no more plays we're not running plays you guys you just rolled the ball out essentially you guys go out and and kind of feel it and, and do what you need to do. And then the other big switch that he made was he put Nate James on Juan Dixon, um, who I think Nate held him to maybe two points while he was guarding him. I think he finished with 19. He had six, he had 16 at that point, only three in the second half. So he finished with 19. And that was a lot to do with Nate. And, you know, Nate, you guys know Nate's a Maryland guy. Um, so he's talked about how, you know, that was, that rivalry was really big for him personally. Uh, right. And he was huge, obviously, in the in the win and the Miracle Minute, but he was equally as huge in the in the Final Four win. Um, was it just him? Kinda, he had the big tip in in that right, Final Right, that's four what I was going to mention. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so it was because they played Maryland four times that year, correct? Because um, yeah. they played them they yeah. in the ACC tournament. Um, and then the, the – but uh, so Duke went – 3-1 against them, I think, uh, because yep. the senior night loss was the kind of lone loss they had to them, which kind of mm-hmm. sucks, but... Yeah, but I'll take the loser. other three. Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'll take those other three. Um, well, for a second time, I guess we'll, we can jump forward here. Now, this is probably a pretty big jump. I was trying to see if I could pull anything from those mid-2000 teams, but that's like kind of my dark period a little bit, right? It's like high school and like early college stuff. So like while I'm following the team, I'm not probably doing it quite with the same eye that I am now um, or was before then. So we're going to go all the way up 10 years to 2011. Um, This was a huge one though. And I remember this one pretty vividly. Uh, This is Duke Carolina at Duke. Um, What was the halftime score? Were they up 14? Yeah, 43 yeah. to 29 is what it says yeah, there. Yeah, and this is the year that, um, you know, infamously uh, Kyrie Togate happens, right? Like we come out the mm-hmm. gate on fire. Yeah. No one's making his case tonight for, you know, ACC player of the year, even national player of the year. If the Jimmer wasn't there, no yep. one's probably got a, a heck of a shot at that. Um, and so we're coming in. UNC's kind of on a surge here a little bit. So 
you know, they got Kendall Marshall. This is a team that the the following year would be a Final Four team, right? Or they or they would have, I guess, Kendall broke the hand or something and Kansas yeah. beat them. They lost yeah. in the Elite Eight, but yeah, they, yeah. they looked yeah. like they were headed to the title game. They were they were pretty dominant. Yeah. Um, so they come in just pretty much waxed us the first half. I mean, we were just dead in the water. Um, maybe one of the loudest, like on TV. Like I could sense the loudness in Cameron in that game in the second half. Um, you know, I'll, I'll hand it off to y'all here in a second. But I remember at a point, I remember when Kelly hits that three, and you just see Kyrie yep. going nuts, the <laughs> whole place going nuts. Um, but I think the biggest one might have been no one gets a steal and comes through and gets like an and one, and he just starts kind of pointing and dancing. That's one of my favorite uh favorite duke memories there do y'all have a, a a pretty good memory of this one i remember this one pretty clearly Shu, where were you at were you still up in boone at this point because i was up there watching it uh 2000 no i was i was back i back off the mountain at that point um yeah i think i might have actually been watching this with brent miller who you guys know from the page um so shout out to b miller but uh 2011 yeah this was was this this was the game that curry curry went off in the second half too right is that yeah. this one yeah yeah okay yeah. Curry I was on and oak nolan. street with caleb you, yeah. obviously you know caleb shouts yeah. to caleb but yeah curry um, and nolan went crazy in the second half yeah yeah curry was awesome um i guess i think yeah you had had 22 um you know singler not the best mm. right it really kind of sucks that kyle had that you know that knee scope or whatever right before his senior year man i think he had the what the 30 against oregon or something like that and the kind of show me game and that was kind of yeah. the highlight there um bro do you have a do you remember this game does this one stand out to you at all or is it just kind of another one of the put it in the wacky comebacks against <laughs> carolina that we had there for about 10 years <laughs> yeah that was uh was this kind of the first of those big comebacks probably yeah, it happened a lot though after this. Like, yeah, it, it started the trend though. I feel like it. Uh, you know, obviously the the first one is ninety eight, but uh, yeah, yeah. but the, like from two thousand eleven to like basically now, there's been like seven or eight comebacks against UNC. Yeah. So I think this was kind of like was the the start of that trend for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I don't remember much. I just remember uh, almost all the scoring in that second half was Nolan and Seth. You know, mm -hmm. Kay would always do this when uh, Duke got down against Carolina. He would just lean into the guard play yep. and he would just drive the ball at them over and over and, you know, have uh, the guards coming off screens and all that stuff. Um, and he'd always kind of, I don't think he went small in this game, but that was another tactic of his was just to go small and bomb threes. But in this game, I just remember, uh, yeah, Seth coming off a billion ball screens. Yeah. Well, yeah. one of the reasons this was the start of our kind of comebacks against Coke for years there before that we were, well, not 2010. That's there was yeah. no comebacks. We just dominated those. But uh, before the, you know, the couple of years before that, we, we weren't really coming back to win against mm, Carolina yeah. a whole lot. Unfortunately, uh, there was the game that JJ sniffed out that last play. Um, that's that's the only one I wouldn't maybe call it's a Roy a Williams thing is what it is right? yeah maybe that's the because 04 his first year you got to do not so much like comebacks all the time but we just seem to find a way to squeak out wins against them right you start yep. with Duhon I think 05 is the one you're talking about we yep. beat him by one and Cameron on the defensive stop um, but that one might have been in Chapel Hill what? The, the defensive stop. No, that's in oh. Cameron. Yeah, that's, that's in, in Cameron. Cameron. Yeah, okay. JJ's, he blows the play up right that's there right. on the, yeah. on the okay. baseline. I believe um, in 06, 
JJ yeah, has JJ a big goes game for 35 in, yeah, in, the in Chapel Hill. Yeah, yeah, um, just roasted those boys. But then se- seven through nine was not great, right? Uh, obviously, those are the kind of the Hansborough yeah. years, and Duke just doesn't kind of have the talent to compete with them at that point. I will say, 08 at Carolina is still really fun to watch, but right. the team in general is like, you know, like it didn't end very well. But I think we just go in and Paulus just goes off. We hit like 13 threes. Um, they, right, they but it was a little less us. satisfying because uh, Lawson was out, and Lawson was true. like the guy who would yeah. always dominate. Yeah, yeah. Um, as evidenced in 09 when they just waxed us. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so um, Duke UNC 2011, really fun team. Really sucks that that one didn't – we didn't get to see that one fully healthy. Um, had a chance there to do something, but, uh, you know, we got a guy drafted, I guess. So he made his money in the end. But uh, all right, let's take a little quick break here, and then we'll come back and do – I guess we'll start again at Duke UNC 2012. So let's take five. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Drowning in status updates and lost in endless emails? Break free with ClickUp.com, the one app to replace them all. Imagine a world where your team collaborates effortlessly in one shared space. No more chaos, just ClickUp. Your projects, tasks, and communication unified at last. Transform how you work with customizable views, seamless integration, and real-time updates. ClickUp is your shortcut to more productive days and happier teams. Join the millions of productive teams already streamlining their workflow. Visit ClickUp.com to get started. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. All right, well, let's jump back in. Uh, not too big of a jump this time. We're just going one year uh, down the road. Another one that's probably ingrained in everyone's memory. You're going to see it at every Duke Carolina game. They're going to show the highlights. Um, we're going to the Dean Dome. The year is 2012, and I'm talking Austin Rivers. So Carolina comes in ranked five. We talked about it in the last the game for last, the year prior. This is when Carolina really looked like a juggernaut at a certain point. Um, Duke had been kind of up and down all year, but spoiler alert, that team did go undefeated on the road. So, you know, shouts to 2012 for that. They were the road warriors. Um, we probably all have a really strong working memory of this. I remember being at a bar with a buddy of mine, 
Um, one being a Carolina fan, shout out to David Hansen. The other one being a Duke fan, shout out to, to D. Lofton. Uh, pretty wild finish there, uh, especially out in a public venue, as you could imagine. So again, the the magic number is 10 with about two and a half minutes left. I'll tip it off there. Raul, do you remember what do you, I guess what do you remember besides the finale of those last couple minutes or anything about the game in general? I remember it being really frustrating because Duke played really well in the first half. Um, and hit a bomb yeah, threes. Hit a ton of threes. It was clearly the right strategy. I mean, Duke was the underdog in this game, I think as a six point dog. Um, so it was a good strategy to come in because we had the shooters to just come in and just bomb threes. I believe Duke was up by like eight or something in the first half at one point. And then UNC kind of closes the gap at the end of the half. And then in the second half, Harrison Barnes started playing really well, which was, of course, you know, a source of frustration for us Duke fans. Um, because at the time, there was no UNC player that you hated more just because yeah. of the kind of the history of the recruitment and all that. So that's the main thing that I remember. And just the feeling that the game was slipping away from them and then just this insane sequence of events you know i could go into like every play because they're all etched in my memory i don't remember mm -hmm. the exact order but how many little things had to go right for yeah. duke to end up winning yeah you know? i'm glad you mentioned that first half too because i re i can remember feeling like uh-oh and we're up eight, like you said, right? But it felt like, man, we just played our ass. Like, I don't know if we can play any better. Like, I don't know if we can shoot better. Like, we should, we needed to be up 20 after a performance yep. like that. Um, and yeah, they it, it didn't take long for them to to write the ship. Shoot, what about you? The final couple minutes are just from that game. Do you, do you have, like, does it still fresh for you? Oh, I mean, this one I 100% remember. I was watching with B. Miller and our buddy Jake Bird. Lana's there. So, so obviously my wife is a Carolina fan. Uh, Brent's wife is a Carolina fan as well. So the girls, the Carolina girls, they were all, you know, feeling good about themselves the last ten, two minutes. I, I remember looking at the guys like, we're going to win this game. Like kind of the Coach K, you know, the Grant Hill and, and Leighton are like, we're not losing this one. Uh, you know, the Kentucky talk. So, um, and then it all started to happen. I remember after Austin hit that shot, all three of us are like jumping, hugging, jumping on the floor. Uh, Brent kind of lives out uh, out in the cut a little bit. So as, as I'm leaving his house later that night, I didn't have any signal out there. All of a sudden, my phone just like text messages went <laughs> off. I think I had like 80 text messages that, that popped up instantly as soon as I get some some signal. But yeah, that's that's one I'll never I don't think I'll ever forget that that night was uh that was that was fun. That was special. Yeah, that was. uh. I think at the time it was euphoric, but I think it still holds. It's yep. just like that shot, that moment. Um, and, and so much went right. You know, you had the Mason gets the steal. Curry hits the walk in three. Tyler kind of hits the little like jab step, ends up shooting the three. Zeller helps us out. All the good stuff. Um, I think my favorite part about it, though, is Harrison Barnes picks up a charge with like 16 seconds left on the shot <laughs> clock that like if they just don't shoot the ball and stop giving it to us, they probably win the game. How many times do you think Carolina cost themselves by either not calling a timeout and like regrouping or something like you said, just kind of shooting yourself in the foot? A lot, but, dude. There's yeah. been a lot of times, like not so much recently, but like during the 2010 to like 18 or 19 or whatever, I was telling people all the time, like 
you hate watching Duke play stall ball, but watch Carolina not play it sometimes. And yeah. if they just learned how to stall, they could win some of these games. Yeah. Um, they just they played at the pace, and that's just the way that they do it. But uh, yeah, thankful, thankful to pull that one out. You know, they smashed us in Cameron that year to make mm-hmm. up for it. So it's kind of you know. But at least I mean, that was that a championship one. caliber Carolina team. Yeah. Oh, for that, sure. They'll yeah. tell you that they should have won it. You know, I still think Kentucky would have beat them again, but yeah you know it could happen it could have happened sure. right like yeah. why not all right well, let's stay with this team kind of it's kind of weird maybe just have two two games from the 2012 team but they just just kind of what they did at this <laughs> point this one is one of my favorite ones and it's hard to find it to watch but that if you watch the comeback in this one it's it's crazy because they're down 20 to state in Cameron in the second half with like 11 minutes to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think from that point, we go on like a 20 to three run, 13 0 run in there. Yep. Seth Curry has just lost his mind. Uh, Ro, do you remember much about that other than just Rivers and Curry just looking at each other and saying, like, yo, take turns? <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason, this is like, one of my favorite comebacks. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I haven't watched it in so many years. It's kind of like sweeter in my memory than it actually was. But obviously, Duke should not have been down 20 to NC State in the first place. I mean, Duke was not like ultra dominant, but it was a decent enough team. You know, they finished as a two seed. NC State that year was like an okay team. Did they even make the tournament? If they did, it was like as a lower seed. Yeah, And I think that, you know, Duke was a fairly heavy favorite heading into this game. So to be down 20 in the first half was just like a very unexpected result. And then, yeah, again, my memory is just like that uh, 2011 game where I just remember Seth Curry coming off ball screen after ball screen. Um, But even more so in this game than that one, because it wasn't like Nolan chipping in as well, obviously, because he wasn't there anymore. Um, I, I think Rivers made a few big shots too. And then uh maybe Kelly had a Kelly had some a nice shot too, but it was really mostly Seth. Yeah. That that tracks too from what I remember. I mean he has twenty one in the second half. Enough, yeah. Right. So I mean he's going off. Um I do like that that Rivers quote though, where and I I'm a big, big Rivers fan anyway. I've always kind of thought that he kind of got, you know, shafted a little bit for how that team finished. Um but he wore it on his sleeve, man. I remember when Florida State beat us at the buzzer and you just see him just crushed there, right? Yeah. Like just so many times, um, you know, I love a guy like that. But uh, yeah, that, that season didn't turn out quite as well as we had hoped. But uh, let's, let's jump to one that did. Let's go to 2015. Um, such a fun season. Such a good season. Um, this is probably one of my absolute favorite games to rewatch. I have this game on DVD. I watch it. Uh, Duke at Virginia 2015. Um, I don't think a lot of people remember how good Virginia was just because this is when they had started to get that like mantra of like, okay, you're going to go through the ACC, but you're never going to do anything. And so people just kind of slept on it. Um, they're number one in the country and I want to say they're undefeated heading into this game might have to double check that but i want to say that they were undefeated um maybe they had lost once or something like that but it's a slog fest right but i think the one thing that stands out to me here and then she will go to you is that we were super intentional about trying to get out and run whenever we could like winslow was a madman i remember cook just kind of breaking free um obviously the final few minutes there what do you take away or what do you remember, if anything, about this game, Shu? 
yeah, I mean, like you said, that that's kind of you don't want to give them time to set up their defense, um, and, you know, and, and play that kind of sluggish half court offense. So if anytime you can push the pace and score in transition, um, you want to get out and do it. But you know, I remember we just we we didn't shoot the ball very well. Um, to start the game, but despite that, we were able to still kind of hang around. So we actually started um, 0 for 9 from 3, um, but then we kind of just finished finished the end there with a flurry, finishing 6 six of 8 in the final minutes. I think the biggest thing I remember about this game was that after Tyus rose up and, and hits that 3 over Perez, you see Emil on the sideline just going, you know, <laughs> Eight is going Just crazy, yeah, and giving them, the, them. Yeah. yeah, give them the marbles, yeah. <laughs> so and it's like one of my favorite reactions from a sideline is is that, and uh, and one that I'm sure we'll get to here uh, in a couple minutes. But yeah, I, I definitely just remember. I mean, that Virginia team was that was what like Perez and um, and what was the Anderson, the left-handed kid. Justin yeah, Anderson, yeah, it was I mean, Justin Anderson. I mean, we had Malcolm Brogdon, Malcolm on that Brogdon, team, yeah, I mean, right? That, that, that like, was a solid were, squad. Had Dolte, so, who ended yeah. up being, you know, pretty solid. Um, yeah, yeah, they were the number two defense that year, and the only reason they were number two because it's actually historically good defense. But the only reason they were number two is because it happened to be the same year that UK like posted the best defensive rating ever. Mm. Yeah, that was the undefeated UK. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, dominant defense. Just an okay offense, but uh, yeah, really good team. There, there's so many iconic little celebrations. Obviously, you mentioned the meals, but uh, there's the Justice Winslow like crouch and stare, yeah. Yeah. and then there's great. there's the Quinn Cook like self butt slap. Yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. He's riding himself, yeah. going yeah. down, yeah. riding, yeah, yeah. the flow. Yeah, um, so many good like. And that t- 2015 was like notorious for this in general, but they were just so like aesthetically pleasing to watch yeah. too. Like that pocket pass that Tyus finds Winslow where he just right. feeds it to him. Cook has one of his like wraparound dumps to Okafor for a dunk in that one too. Um, so many used, threes too. Yeah, so many threes. I used to know, like, because I remember me and you talking about it right when it happened, like our points per possession like the last two minutes or something of the game was just at like the most astronomical rate ever yeah it was like it was like 1.6 points per possession or something crazy against the number two defense well we hit two threes there right i mean well cook hits two tyus hits one or two matt hits one or two right Mm -hmm. um and it was all like in that little stretch right so cook actually hits three it's three because yeah, because it's sixty-three to sixty-three, and then Cook hits one, two, and then uh, Tyus hits that. Tyus hits the one, the yeah. the stones. The, the stones was born there, yeah, right? Uh, That's yeah. the birth of stones, probably. Um, or actually, yeah. no, the birth of stones would have been at Wisconsin, right? Didn't he hit a big one at Wisconsin? Yeah, but we just kind of rolled Wisconsin like yeah. by ten, right? So it's yeah. kind of like. He did hit some though, but they were daring him to shoot at Wisconsin, yeah. right? They were they were wanting him to shoot. The only um, other time I can remember Duke eviscerating like a top ranked defense like that was uh, Coach K's last year against Texas Tech in the tournament. Yeah, yeah. like that's the only other time where it was just like you just posted like one point six points per possession against the best defense. Yeah. Somehow, after like kind of struggling to score the rest of the game, suddenly you just explode for like three minutes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's probably right. In terms of, I mean, how many chances do you get at playing at that level of a right. defense? But I guess 2019, 
Virginia was probably up there defensively oh, too, yeah, for sure, right? Yeah. And when RJ just goes like five for five from three in the first half or something crazy. Yeah, that game won't make it on here because yeah, <laughs> that was just a beat down. Curious to what Texas's defense was ranked that year that we were one and they were two. Oh yeah, and because, we hung a thirty piece in the Meadowlands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Barnes that was always had that was Barnes, so I don't imagine it being like a they were an off the wall like offensive team, but maybe maybe not maybe. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm looking here. It was 15th, so solid, but, really good defense, but not when they like started the year. It could have been, yeah. oh know, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Like if you remove yeah. a 30 point drubbing, All right, exactly. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe it goes up. But yeah, yeah, that was a big time win too. Um, well, I guess we'll stick again with 2015 here. Um, this one's not one of the more like unexpected comebacks, I guess, right? Like teams come down from nine under for or nine down with 13 minutes to play, probably semi-regularly, I would imagine. Um, I think what makes it though is the fact that it's the national championship game, right? And you're playing a team that had we had already beat um that was super old. And we talked about historic defenses. Wisconsin had an historic offense at the time, like in terms of just how efficient they were. And then we come in and we kind of looked like we were flat. Right. We kind of look flat and kind of dead in the water. Uh, I think everyone knows the we talked about the birth of stones. This is the birth of Grayson Allen, where he just comes in and just saves us. Um, I remember this game incredibly well, too. Um, Y'all probably do as well. What I guess in terms of like the actual comeback, like where was your headspace at down nine there? Like, were you still kind of like, no, we can do this? Or it's like, man, this was a good run, but these guys are too old. We're not beating them again. I remember being somewhat worried, like, okay, this may be slipping away from them, but not to the extent that I would have been with another team. And the reason is because Duke had already had a few comebacks earlier that year. I, yeah. I don't think they made the list, but there's the uh, comeback against UNC and Cameron with, you know, just a couple minutes left being down eight or whatever it was to force overtime and then eventually winning that. And then another one, which... You know, maybe should have made the list because it was Coach K's thousandth win, but uh, the St. John's game. St. John's, yeah. So so we'd kind of seen Duke do that. I think even at Wake Forest on the road, they'd come back in the last couple minutes. So I I've, I had always had like a strange... I can't, I'm not going to sit here and say that I really expected them to win to the title, but like I had a strange feeling of confidence with that team all year. And I think it kind of started with Tyus. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The only thing I want to say here, this is just to kind of pick on Raul because I would love for to be able to go back into our messenger thread. I'm sure that game is on there somewhere. Oh, just, yeah. just, just to see what you two were talking <laughs> about at that point because I have a oh, feeling it wouldn't be probably very optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we watched the Final Four game together, Shu, and I was ready to walk out when <laughs> we, we were down eight to Michigan State and with like, their doors off. Uh, yeah, that, that was like two <laughs> minutes into the game. <laughs> You're like, it's over. <laughs> Yeah, um, and we go on like a twenty to four run after that or something. Fortunately, I think there's no uh, there's no archive of that because I was actually at a friend's house with his uh, mom and uh, dad, and and fortunately for me, they're like really intense Duke fans too because I'm sure I was cursing up a storm and stuff. But really good experience watching that game overall. I just remember going to the. Uh, kitchen to grab another beer when we're down like nine and just like pounding the beer in front of my friend's parents you know obviously we're <laughs> we're in our 30s by then so it's not like a big deal but coming back in and then once once grayson had cut the lead because he essentially cut the lead by himself 
Mm-hmm. Once that happened and it was in like a possession, I was like, I, I just knew we were going to win at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember there was actually a video of this because I was at Chef's house watching it with him and uh, his roommate's girlfriend was recording us, I guess, behind yep. And we're just sitting there and we're both just yelling. And there's a certain point where um, I'm like, don't cheat, Quinn. Don't cheat. <laughs> and Quinn goes under and I think Nigel or somebody hits that three. And I'm just like, God. And just <laughs> uh, it's good stuff, though. It's good stuff. But there also is another clip in there where Tyus comes off a ball screen. I'm like, shoot it, Tyus. And he just onions, you know, and I'm like, hmm. Mm. So that one, that one leaves a good, good flavor in the mouth. Uh, well, we Obo didn't, didn't handle it well, though. Obo mm-hmm. didn't. Uh, no, I was it well. I was reading some articles and it's just so many of them were just filled with Bo Ryan quotes complaining about the officiating and all that. Even the Wikipedia page is filled with that. It annoyed me. Yeah. Shouts to Sam Decker, though. I'm pretty sure he's like been on oh, a yeah. podcast or somewhere. He was just like, nah, dude, those, do it. those <laughs> boys just took it to us. Like they just, they just beat us. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a, that was a good, it did feel kind of a little bit like destiny though. But I will say that this win really kind of messed me up for a couple of years going forward in terms of my expectations for one and dones and like yeah. what we could do with a class of one and dones, especially like 2017, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, not all one and done's created equal, I guess. But let's jump forward one more year. Um, another another UNC game here. Duke at UNC in the Dome 2016. This is kind of the, you know, the uh, you always kind of get a year post-title, right? When you lose the, a mass exodus of just kind of like, all right, let's just see what happens, see what we can do. Um, have Grayson Allen coming back, having an incredible sophomore year. Um, this is Luke Kennard's class. So he comes in with who was Owen Kennard's class? It was Luke, it was Chase Cheater, Cheater, Brandon Ingram, BI, yeah. And there's one more, Derek Thornton. Derek Thornton, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, okay. So a little hit or miss there on that class, I reckon. But uh, um, either way, again, this was the year that Carolina lost to Villanova in the championship game. I mm-hmm. think this year's team is a much better team than the 17 yep. team that did win it. Like this. Like Bryce was ridiculous um, for them. Uh, and I think they out rebounded us. Y'all might have the stat up there, but they out rebounded us by like, I mean, it was a lot of goalie. Not as bad, not as, bad as the second game. Um, which, yeah. And we could have kind of stayed in that for a little hmm. bit. But well, the 2016 um, team had Marcus Page kind of doing his like thing towards the end of those games. You know, he was notorious for kind of coming alive at the end of games. Hitting big shots. Well, or, they've had Barry, right? So they kind of moved him off ball a little bit, maybe. I yeah. don't know. I can't remember exactly. Well, yeah, obviously but. Paige hit that crazy double clutch shot in the yep. in the oh, championship yeah, that's game. Right. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Bryce Johnson was just a monster. Like I think one of the best bigs Carolina's ever had, and probably a little bit underrated historically in terms mm-hmm. of like Carolina's bigs. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's just because he would dominate us, but I think in this game he had like almost a 2020 game mm-hmm. 29 mm-hmm. points 19 rebounds yeah i think what i remember though is like we didn't have a single substitution like the last eight or ten minutes of the well, game or something matt jones right? was like, out of the game for like matt jones played nine minutes and yeah. emil had already been hurt at this point yeah. right? because he would medical red shirt to come back in 17 um and yeah luke had been 
you know, Luke was sensational as a sophomore. Freshman year was kind of rocky, well, right? Like he just hit couldn't miss, find yeah. the range. Um, he had it. He had it this game though. I remember the one he hit in the corner specifically. Mm. I remember Allen kind of like they pass it back and forth, and then Allen shoots another one and hits it from the corner. Um, I think the biggest play though is the one that gets remembered the most is just the stop, right? Derek just shuts Barry down and just kind of stuffs it on him and. Um, you kind of get a little bit of the flashback to 98 with the Wojo run to K. Grayson kind of throws the ball mm-hmm. up and sprints over there. That was really cool. Just another one where we just seem to be able to exploit whatever Carolina was doing during that during that span. But my favorite um, thing from that game is that scene that you just described as Grayson's running away, throwing the ball in the air. I had a steel frame photo. You could see Rasheed Wallace in the background. <laughs> As Grayson has his arms up, you know, celebrating, and Rasheed's just like the look of disgust on his face. Mm. Priceless. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, all right, I guess the last one that I had on this list, and one of my just favorite ones to again to to rewatch. This one's still pretty fresh, um, and similar to one you were talking about earlier, too. This is one where I remember being in the game thread and just being like, "No, nah, I'm just we're good. Like we're good." I remember talking to David Becker, shouts to shouts to Beck. Um, just like, nah, we're, we're all right. We all right. I don't know why, because I am usually like a ridiculous, pessimistic person mm-hmm. when it comes to sports, you know? Um, I have a kind of written record on that. But for whatever reason, this game I had a good feeling about. So we're, let's go Duke at Louisville 2019. Got Zion and company. Um, entered the game as a seven-point favorite. We were pretty dominant at this point. We're 21-2. and two. This is kind of before things fell apart a little bit there. Um what was the spread? So Louisville's up and shouts to DBP too. Y'all go check the video out. They have a great kind of like seven minute video where you can watch this whole thing. Um, Louisville's up 59-36 with just under 10 minutes left. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. What changed? I'll go to you first. What, do you remember like what the like what what flipped the switch? I, well, I think just kind of being in that hole, we kind of played a lot looser, I would say, because Cam, Cam Reddish just started hitting threes from everywhere. Um, the defense, we really, I mean, dude, shouts to Jordan Goldwire. Um, I don't know if I've ever loved a, like a kid that came in and I didn't think was ever going to really give us anything and to, to see what he, what he was able to do his last couple of years, last two years on the squad. Um, he was just a, a ball hound. Um, yeah, him and, and Tyler once, Thornton would be like the two biggest overachievers in yeah, Duke history yeah. to me. But, but, this game, I just remember Goldwire, you know, we kind of started pressing him um, and he was picking pockets and, you know, creating havoc. And we're just, we're playing passing lanes. We just really, we just turned it into chaos and they, and Louisville, cr- I mean, they crumbled. They My favorite thing it. is just watching Joey Baker tell him, <laughs> we're doing this. Like, yeah, we're doing in, this. Yeah. yeah. In the comeback. Um, yeah, that that's what I, I you know. Look, I'm gonna be honest with you. When when we went down 23, I I turned the TV off for a couple minutes. I de- definitely missed half of this comeback until you guys were blowing up my phone with text <laughs> messages. And I, all right, I'll go turn it back on and see what's happening. But that was that was one of the first ones or only ones I've. Well, because from there we start we 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 close it pretty quick, right? Like yeah. we start to close it and then they jump. They kind of like push it back out and then we just steamroll mm-hmm. um road is that track with you like that's what i was going to say was the jordan goldwire trey jones up top attack just completely right ra- i mean because we had zion and rj waiting in the wings just completely mm-hmm. rattled them um anything else that stood out to you in terms of just strategically i mean yeah to your point 
Duke forced nine turnovers in a 10-minute span. And this was a Louisville team who I, I believe I read averaged like 12 turnovers. So we almost forced them into their average within 10 minutes of the game. So mm-hmm. yeah, just that that intense pressure. That team was just such a good, you know, it, it, it kind of resembled the old K teams defensively, like the way K had always wanted to play, but just really wasn't able to in the one and done era just because of the the amount of communication that's required and all that. Uh, but just having that level of size and athleticism, that that Tyus, or sorry, not Tyus, Trey uh, Zion trap was just yeah. deadly. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when uh, the, the ball hander would come up the sideline there and they'd trap yeah. him like right at half court. Yeah, that's my favorite play. And Shuff talks about that too, because Trey had a way of getting down to where the ball handler would have to turn. And if yep. he turned his back at all, you would see Zion just yeah. like yep. run right. a 440 up there and just bloop. And then yeah. it's windmill. And it was a dunk time. every time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then it's windmill time. The other thing is just Zion's just dominance. I mean, obviously that can't be overstated for the season. And you have to kind of like wonder what would have happened if he just stayed healthy all year. But. Um, I've written down a year that, so Zion, I did not remember that Zion was in foul trouble and mm-hmm. he picked up his fourth foul with 12 minutes left in the game. But then somehow he plays the rest of the game playing pressure defense, has 11 points, four rebounds, three steals and a block in those 12 minutes and doesn't commit another foul. Yeah. And it's just bullying him on the offensive. Yep. Like it's crazy to see four guys try to trap him in the middle and he's just like nope i'm just gonna scoop this on you it was um i think my favorite part of this is like just the swagger that we had even the entire time to where not only are we gonna do this but rj is gonna bounce past through my legs behind me and cam's just gonna catch and pull up and like that's gone that's Ned right there like it, it was Deep just too. it was yeah um that that was something else man that that team was so so good like just had some gaps and holes in the roster like if if you know gordy or trey or somebody could have been a 35 40 percent shooter maybe it would have been a different story but um couldn't quite happen make it happen there so that's that's the list that i'd kind of come up with obviously that we probably did miss a few um there's probably some stuff out there that i'm sure people are are wanting to talk about but uh, if we did you know shoot us an email hit us up on twitter let us know what you think um any of these that we've talked about do you have just a rapid fire do you have a personal favorite or one that you find most impressive or something that you kind of just keep coming back to um Rolo, i'll go to you first well before i pick one i did want to give a little bit of a shout out to uh the 2020 game against unc at unc um yep. just because that was that was essentially two comebacks in one So I kind of thought that deserved a little mention too, just because that was might have been one of the most statistically improbable ones. But I I, I don't think I'd list that one as my favorite just because it was a frustrating game that Duke should have been up. And that always kind of taints it a little bit for me. Like if if I feel, oh, Duke should have been winning this game easily. And they just came out and played terribly and then pulled something out of their ass in the last two minutes or whatever. Yeah, Um, yeah. So I think for that reason, I actually liked the 2012 game a lot because Duke was the underdog and they played so well only to see like Carolina just simply be the better team and then somehow managed to pull it out. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then I, I guess the others would be like the big tournament games, obviously, because those have just such importance overall, like the Wisconsin game or UNLV or whatever. But for a regular season one, I think it's that 2012 game for me. Two. I remember watching that 2020 game at your house too, man. We were just sitting there pissed <laughs> off the whole time, dude. That's what ruined it for us, bro. It was like the comeback was great, but we were so mad for 39 minutes. That it, it was, was such just, a terrible performance. Such a terrible performance. And I thought, I was like, if we let Cole Anthony and this three and 17 or whatever the hell they are, Carolina team beat us right now, I'm going to lose yeah. my shit. Well, the reason I remembered that game was because- and we had those early- ugly ass uniforms. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Earlier, you were talking about uh, UNC not playing stall ball. That is that game is a classic yep. example. Cole Anthony just driving into traffic with like twenty seconds left on the shot clock for no reason. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, like like uh, Raul said, you know, not counting the like the final four games. I mean, obviously the UNLV game, I think is is the most significant one. But personal favorite that's not uh, a final four would it's got to be the Cole Fieldhouse, the, you know, the, the miracle minute comeback. Again, the the Maryland, uh, and it's not like we had Maryland fans next door. I didn't know a lot of Maryland fans growing up. Actually, I don't think I knew any Maryland fans growing up, uh, not until I got to college. Um, but just the the level, of, like you kind of hinted at earlier, Josh, like the level that Maryland had played us at those those couple years, they were they were really annoying. They were uh, uh, hateful fans towards us um, to silence that crowd the way we did. That was I just. I remember that one. Love that one. Yeah, those are both. Really, it's, it's hard for me to pick one. Um, you know, I, I feel like this is too recent, but I'm going to just, I, I keep going back to that Duke at Virginia game. You know, it was just a lot of fun. It's on the road. We handed in their first loss. We beat the number one ranked team. Um, and maybe some of it's hindsight, knowing what you know now about that team, but they were just so fun to watch. Just a special group. So, uh, I'll roll with the uh, the Duke at UVA 2015. It's always good to beat them. The The outcome of the season kind of colors things a little bit too, right? It definitely like, does. Like 2015, it's easier to like some of those games. Like I was thinking about how many comebacks the 2017 team had, like during mm. their ACC tournament run. And as cool as yeah. that was at the time, the fact that that season was just such a disappointment overall, you know, just kind of struggling throughout the year to live up to their standards and then losing the second round. Yeah. It just it just doesn't it doesn't carry the same weight because I just have kind of bad associations with that season overall. I know, I know. and that semifinal against Carolina the AC tournament that year is really fun too. That little spurt yep. that we go on, you get Harry Giles getting the oop and everything. Like it was, uh, it was cool. Yeah, the seventeen so. team I, that was the year that we lost like a lot of road games yeah. that year. But but if you go back and look, I mean, I feel like. I mean, what? How many road games are you going to play in the ACC? You play say eighteen, so nine road games. I feel like seven or eight of those were like ranked teams at that time. Like it was, a, it was a really brutal like. Well, we had the most quad one wins in the country, and yeah. got a yeah. two seed in South Carolina playing South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there were some bad Go losses figure. though too. Like that uh, NC State loss at home was yeah. one yeah. of the worst losses of that era. Yeah, yeah, that was terrible. That was objectively terrible. Yeah. Um, but all right, well, you know, I think we'll, we'll end it there. Just kind of something fun again, shouts to the, to the football squad. Um, you know, if we miss anything, you know, hit us up at the devil's den pod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, the devil's den pod two, four, seven. Um, you can find us on the boards too. If you're into recruiting, want to check out the football board, see what's going on as the basketball season gets here, the devil's den.com. Those guys are doing great work over there. So check them out. 
Um, you know, in the meantime, rate, review, subscribe, nice comments, all that stuff. I think we're going to take maybe a little bit of a break here. So you might see some older pods run through the feed in the next few weeks. Um, probably going to try to get the John Shire one back out and the Mark Mitchell one as we look forward to the season. And then here in the next few weeks, we'll probably do a season preview and just kind of see what we're looking for, do some prediction stuff, do some stat game stuff. So, uh, you know, enjoy the rest of your summers and keep the faces strong in the bird high. win your fantasy football league it starts right now the offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition we'll help you win your league on the fantasy football today podcast part of cbs sports podcast network fantasy football today has three episodes every week following the latest news giving you early rankings early sleepers breakouts and busts so if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager check out the most dedicated podcast fantasy football today Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found.